0: Tonight is study number 21 of Revelation chapter 19. We're going to be reading verse 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This verse is describing the Lord Jesus Christ as God is revealing him in the day of judgment. This is the Picture. This is the image that God wants to uh, relate to us concerning Christ in the time of the final judgment of mankind. He is coming victoriously. He is coming triumphantly. He has won the war. He's defeated Satan and his kingdom of Babylon, or typified by Babylon, the kingdom of darkness. The nations of the world, the unsaved inhabitants of the earth have been conquered. They have been destroyed and, and it's just a matter until the prolonged period of judgment has reached its final day that they will be utterly destroyed and annihilated and gone forever along with the sin cursed universe and world. Well, here The Lord Jesus is seen and God says he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written. Now we saw earlier in verse 13 of the same chapter that uh, God had spoke of Christ's vesture and also a name. It says there, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. So there, the vesture is said to be dipped in blood, and we discussed that um, somewhat when we saw that this identifies with Isaiah 63, and Christ uh, gave his own life, shed his own blood, while under the wrath of God from the point of the world's foundation, and, and that is a God. Forsook God. God put God to death. And we can't understand that. We can't explain that. How can God die at the hands of God? But, but well, that's what the Bible says. And we know it's true. And, and so Christ was as the high priest, Melchizedek, who put the lamb, who was Christ, to death. And in doing so, He had his vesture dipped in blood. And also in Isaiah 63, there's a dual picture of Judgment Day of the world. And Christ is treading the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And the blood, according to Revelation 14, is overflowing, coming out of the winepress. And we can see how that also would uh, involve blood on his vesture. Well, here in verse 16, he hath on his vesture that has been dipped in blood and on his thigh a name written. And in all likelihood, the name is the word of God that verse 13 spoke of. But it could be a name that God doesn't tell us about. But we we see he has on his vesture and on his thigh. And we shouldn't overlook that that the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we know why that particular name is written on his vesture and on his thigh, because it's at the point when the battle between kings, uh, between the Lord Jesus, the King of the Jews, and Satan the, the ruler of the unsaved of the world due to the right of conquest back in the Garden of Eden, when the Lord Jesus puts down Satan and all the nations that are subservient to him and all their rulers, then Christ becomes King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it's especially at the time of Judgment Day that this glorious name is revealed by God Uh, it is a most appropriate point for Christ to be exalted and his name lifted up, hallelujah remember that name that we read earlier in this chapter Uh, praise Yah praise Jehovah, praise the Lord, he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the Almighty the Omnipotent One and it is Judgment Day, that time in which the might and power of God is shown forth and demonstrated, unlike ever before in all history, because there was always Satan's assaults and Satan's attacks against the Israel of old or the church and and then it, it seemed, even for a while during the Great Tribulation, Satan had won, as he had been loosed in order to accomplish God's purposes. But still, from the world's perspective, it could have uh, most certainly and did appear as though he had won. His deadly wound was healed, and but only to serve. God's purpose of using him as an instrument of judgment against the churches and congregations and as a means of preparing the nations of the world for their final judgment. And and now all those purposes have been served and it is time to put him down. And on May 21, 2011, he was put down and defeated. It was a great day of victory for the kingdom of heaven and for the king now of all kings and Lord of all lords. But why does God uh, tell us that that name is on his vesture and on his thigh? We can understand the vesture, that that's clothing. It is the covering. And and we see how God uses that word um, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ that, um in righteousness he does judge and make war and and the breastplate or the the covering in the bible typically identifies spiritually with righteousness and so it is christ's righteousness that ultimately has won the war because it has been granted and imputed to the elect to the great multitude out of great tribulation that completed the body of Christ, the, the the bride. but why, why upon the thigh? Well, the Greek word translated as thigh in Revelation nineteen sixteen is only used here in the New Testament. You can't find this word anywhere else, it's only in this verse. And of course, that's always a problem when we're trying to understand a word. But we can go to the Old Testament and we can see how God uses the word thigh there. It's used several times and also translated a couple of different ways. And And we'll find that that will help us to understand the word. And then we can take the meaning and apply it to our word here in the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, it's the the Hebrew word that is translated as thigh is Strong's number 3409. And uh, we find it used, for instance, in Genesis 24. Let's turn to Genesis 24. Beginning in verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And Jehovah had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house, that rulest. Over all that he had, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by Jehovah, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son Isaac. And the servant said unto him, peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must thy needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware that thou bring not my son thither again, Jehovah God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed Why give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, And thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham his master, and swear to him concerning that matter. That's kind of unusual to us. We we don't have that sort of custom where someone puts their hand under your thigh. Um, It's actually uh, found later in the book of Genesis, where Jacob is on his deathbed and also uses that same kind of language. Here in Genesis 24, Abraham is sending his servant in order to find a wife for his son Isaac, that special son who was uh, the son of his old age, born when Abraham was a 100 years old. And uh, and he did not want to take just any woman to be his son Isaac's wife, but someone from his own family. And that would require sending a servant to Haran in order to find a wife. And this is a, a wonderful historical parable where Abraham... Father Abraham typifies God the Father, and God the Father has a son, Isaac. It was just a couple of chapters earlier. Remember when Abraham took Isaac, his only son, to offer him on Mount Moriah. And there was a picture of God the Father offering up God the Son. And we have the same spiritual Uh, identification here with Abraham and with Isaac. And the servant is a picture of the believers who are tasked with the mission, go find my son a wife. And remember in Revelation 19, the bride, the lamb's wife, made herself ready. And we discussed that, and we saw how the sending forth of the gospel by God through the true believers in that regard the true believers who are the bride help make themselves ready as others became saved to form the spiritual woman the bride of Christ until finally the woman was complete when the last of the of the elect became saved and and thus the bride made herself ready. Well, likewise here, the servant represents the true believers who are to go into the world with the gospel, seeking out the bride of Christ and the word of God when it would save this one and that one and the other. The bride was coming together until finally when the last one whose name was recorded in the Lamb's book of life was saved, the bride was complete. Well, That's that's the picture. He goes to find the bride. He does find the bride. And yet he has to swear first by putting his hand under Abraham's thigh. And notice in verse 7, the seed was mentioned. And then finally he did swear by putting his hand under Abraham's thigh in verse 9. And he took an oath. He would do as Abraham had commanded and go to seek the bride. Well, the thigh, the Hebrew word for thigh, again, is 3409 in Strong's Concordance. And it's also translated as loins here in Genesis in chapter 46. In Genesis 46 and verse 26 It says all the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt, which came out of his loins besides Jacob's son's wives. All the souls were three score and six. The word loins is a translation of the same Hebrew word. They came out of his thigh. That doesn't sound right. So the translators translated as loins and it's speaking of the seed, the descendants of Jacob that came forth through his loins. We do use that kind of language today when we have a child or there's a grandson or even a great-grandson, a descendant, came down through the loins of a person. And God here is using this word to say that same kind of a thing. In Judges chapter 8, it's Joshua, Judges, Ruth. In Judges 8, it says in verse 30, And Gideon had three score and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. And the Hebrew word we're looking at is translated his body. Uh, Gideon had seventy sons of his loins begotten, or of his thigh begotten. It, it it's uh, again that word, but we can see how it's being used concerning children that come forth, that issue forth from uh, Gideon in this case, or from Jacob, and. So this thought, this word translated as thigh, put your hands under my thigh and swear, you will find the, the wife. And remember, it's not the case historically, but it is the case spiritually that the word seed points to Christ when it's used singular. He is the seed, the promised seed, but the elect are in him and therefore also part of that seed in, uh, Galatians 3.29. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So the putting your hand under the thigh, it really points to the loins because of the spiritual picture is that, um, I have my son Isaac and I want a bride for him, or I have my son, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want to send my servants to obtain the bride uh, of Christ, which will be gathering all of the elect, the seed that will come forth from the loins. Christ uh, comes forth through Israel, and we are all in him is sort of how it ties together. In Numbers chapter 5, in Numbers 5, we read a a very strange law that God instituted concerning a woman suspected of adultery, and she she could be tested uh, by drinking bitter water, and if she were guilty and drank the bitter water, and and the way they got the water bitter was to add dust to it. And if she drank the bitter water, and she had actually committed adultery, then her thigh would rot, and um, her belly would be made bitter. But if she was innocent, her thigh would not rot, and her belly would not be made bitter. It would have no harmful effects. And uh, so we, we read here in Numbers chapter 5, it says in verse 20, But if thou hast gone aside to another instead of thy husband, and if thou be defiled, and some man have lain with thee beside thine husband, then the priest shall charge the woman with an oath of cursing, and the priest shall say unto the woman, Jehovah make thee a curse and an oath among thy people. When Jehovah does make thy thigh to rot and thy belly to swell, this water that causeth the curse shall go into thy bowels to make thy belly to swell and thy thigh to rot. And the woman shall say, Amen, Amen. And then in verse 28, on the other hand, And if the woman be not defiled, but be clean, then she shall be free and shall conceive seed. Her thigh will not rot, but she will conceive seed. And and that means if her thigh did rot, there would be no seed. She would not have children. But again, if she's innocent, she'll have seed. She'll be fruitful. It, it's a picture of God trying the church to see if they're faithful or not. and um, And if they're not, then the judgment is no more seed, no more fruitfulness, no more salvation. And that's exactly what God did when he ended the church age. But see how all of these uh, references relate the thigh to that which comes forth from a man. And here, at this point in Revelation chapter 19, it is the time when when the bride has come together. There she is. Everyone to be saved has been saved, and that means the seed has um, all been found. Uh, also, in Christ, everyone that is uh, or was as the stars of the heaven promised to Abraham, that his seed would would be numerous as the stars, has become saved, and and therefore. On his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, because it is from the thigh of Christ, really, from his loins, that all of those that are saved, the the whole company of the elect, the, the, the great army that follows him, have come forth from him. And, and so, it is a, a very fitting place to put this name, this glorious name, this holy name, that he is king of kings. Yes, he's king of Satan and all evil kings that he's conquered, but he's also king of all the true believers that have been made prophets, priests, and kings because of him. And as a a result of what he has done for them, and so uh, here is perhaps uh, well we we like to think in terms of greatest, uh, but we can't. All of God's names are great. the The name Word of God is great. Uh, the The name Righteousness is great, and wisdom and faith. They're all great, but here is certainly one of the great names of God. King of kings and Lord of lords. Thanks for joining us for e Fellowship's evening Bible studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, E-Bible Fellowship's webcast audio or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.